success is a consequence of courage commitment and competence you cannot seek a consequence it has to be created the speaker has emulated this all her life by social media we are here to rekindle the spirit of conversations with our show to a t an info call initiative where we talk with leaders to figure out why do successful people do what they do this is navya and my co-host neel and today with us we have mrs anisha motwani she comes with a rich experience of over 28 years in diverse industries such as advertising finance and health services she's also the independent director on the board of abort india lnt investments pnb metlife insurance and many other companies she's currently an advisor with the world bank on the prestigious swachh bharat program and national mission for clean ganga she's also the strategic advisor to the max group of companies and the founder of storm the norm ventures and the list keeps going on and on it is a pleasure to have you ma'am thank you navya thank you neel it's my pleasure to speak to youngsters this is the generation that defines the future of the country and it's my pleasure to be sharing my thoughts with both of you Ma'am, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Ma'am, you come from a background where you've done bachelor's in biology, then you went to something like marketing. Ma'am, these are very different fields. Then why did marketing become your fallen? So Neil, at the time when I was growing up, there were only two choices: to become a doctor or to become an engineer. And uh, when I was in school, that's what most children were studying for. And therefore, for anybody who was decent at academic, what medical or engineering. So to that extent, I studied biology. I also gave my medical exam, and uh, I realized that you know I had flunked. I just did not clear the medical, and then you get lost and you wonder what's the next best thing to do because you've studied biology, uh, you've not cleared the pre-medical entrance exam. You keep looking and you keep getting confused. And at that point in time, we didn't have so many choices. I just saw many people just going and doing MBA. so i had the choice of doing msc and and i chose mba and i'm so grateful for having taken that decision because in hindsight it's the best thing i could have done yes ma'am ma'am you have done so great and you are associated with so many brands and to see you like this it's really inspiring ma'am so moving ahead ma'am why storm the norm what was your motive behind it why I have been part of the business corporate world for 25 years as part of large organizations different industries advertising auto financial services all throughout I noticed that people who succeed are the people who are willing to challenge the status quo people who succeed are the ones who do not want to toe the line who do not want to be where everybody else is and these are the people who actually have the courage to stand apart even if the world is against them even if so many people are cynical of what they are trying to do but they have their own conviction to stand apart and do something different and i always you know was on the side of being a contrarian of wanting to do stuff which is not the usual normal stuff so When I left the corporate world 5 years back I had started writing a book and I wanted to pen this experience of businesses that have managed to not toe the line to challenge the status quo therefore succeed by standing out and the best phrase title the chapter is a sense was from the norm 
And so it started from there. I wrote a book from the norm, a bestseller, which is available in all possible platforms even today. I continued with the same thing when it, when I started my advisory practice and in my consulting practice. Today, I'm consulting with businesses and organizations on helping them storm the norm to actually explain to them what it takes to encourage and foster disruptive thinking in an organization. Ma'am, that's a really great idea. Because something like this was not there before and coming up with this is like really helpful for the organizations who are not as good in the marketing ideas as you might have helped them to be. So ma'am, taking that forward, calling the brand strategist within you, we usually see that Indian brands are not recognized globally, like they're not the first movers. For instance, we have Ola, which is a replica of Uber and Flipkart, which is kind of a similar idea to that of Amazon. And I'm seeing the recent events, something like GeoMeet, which is also a replica of Zoom, including the logo. Um, how do you think Indian brands should storm the norm globally, keeping in mind this setting? See, Neil, it's a very relevant question because India has created some very, very powerful, successful brands. In my book, I have a case study of Tata Tea, say, for example. Tata Tea you know, is an Indian brand. Tea was a British legacy and the way Indians consumed tea was very different from the way Britishers, you know, left the whole tea consumption habit with Indians. We want our tea to be strong. We want our tea to be cooked. And that's how we drink our tea. As compared to Westerners who have this dipped tea in water with very little milk, Tata Tea is an example of a brand that got created in India for India and went ahead to buy Petney, which uh, Britain's largest tea company. So that's one example. There are several examples. You know, I was part of creating this brand Vatika hair oil, which is a very Indian brand. A lot of Java products are very Indian products. Godridge is a very Indian brand. So many of their products are for India, created in India. When it comes to the startup world, unfortunately, we still have to see something that is uh, not a follow-through, but an original idea made for India in India and has been taken globally. But it's early days still. We are, I mean, there are lots and lots of very interesting products being developed all across and I'm privy to some of them. So I'm very hopeful that we will have a blockbuster coming out of India very soon in the startup world. Ma'am, we really, really hope that comes really soon. We are, we are so willing to see that. Yes, we all are. Yeah, yes, ma'am. So let's move ahead. Uh, ma'am, you are the independent board director for many companies, consultant at the World Bank, uh, marketing and digital uh, strategist at Max Life, managing partner at Storm the Norm. How do you juggle between all of these? So, you know, first of all, I must correct that all of these are not at the same point in time. While I do a lot of work, my Max assignment finished a couple of years back. World Bank, I just completed the Swachh Bharat initiative a year back. So these projects keep coming and going. At any given point in time, I do manage to work on at least two to three projects. And these projects get over and then you take on new projects. But that's something that I guess everybody does. That's the way, you know, the whole advisory world works. That's what I wanted. I wanted to work on a variety of projects on a, for a variety of businesses and not just do this part, but also do something that I enjoy doing, which is writing, which is creating podcasts. I have my own podcast channels from the norm. So those are things that 
are of interest to me i enjoy doing them and you something that you enjoy doing you always find time for it definitely ma'am so ma'am working in so many places and that to for a career which is spanning almost 3 decades now um have you ever felt saturated or stressed like ma'am what keeps you motivated because we youngsters this generation ma'am we get tired very soon so ma'am what's different what's that mantra for you i have two mantras i think it is it's very useful that i share my experience uh, with youngsters today one is that i am okay to unsettle myself if i feel that i have reached the pinnacle of whether an experience or an or a project or an assignment where i feel that i am stagnating and i am not enjoying myself and it is creating some bit of i don't know i, I don't want to use the word stress but if it's creating this whole thing in my in my own self saying you know what am i doing why am i doing this you know i mean i wish i could do something different i have always managed to unsettle myself get out of that situation and start all over again it's easier said than done because there is a comfort zone that you fall in in your existing domain and to get out of something very comfortable and to try out something completely new is it's not very easy but i have done it and that's what has always kept the challenge alive in me so when i was in advertising i was heading a branch when i left advertising then i moved to the corporate world i spent a good 14 years there had a great time and then you know i mean people normally say that when you reach the pinnacle that's the time to sit back and enjoy the fruits of all the hard work that you've put in to reach there but i have noticed that it's exactly at a time like this that i actually unsettle myself and do something new and different and start all over again so that's always given me the new energy while it's not easy but it's challenging i like doing new stuff i like creating something taking it to a certain level of success and then be willing to let go of it and not hold on to it if we if lots of people hold on to their success and they find it very difficult to move beyond for various reasons and i and maybe there is merit in that but for somebody like me that is a stagnation so i move on the second part really is one is unsettled and the second part truly for me is be persistent in the sense i start something and i give it a halfway or midway if i do something i i give it my best i take it to a level of its maximum potential and then if i have to experiment and do something new i do it otherwise it's very easy to keep unsettling yourself and moving from one to the other but perseverance for something that you set out to do giving it your best and 100% whatever i do whether it is my book whether it's my podcast recording whether it's my job or whether it's a recipe that i cook at home if i do not give it my 100% i don't feel good about it. Uh, that's a really great analogy ma'am that everyone should like look forward to it like if we don't give our 100% there is no use of doing it So yeah, let's move it. Uh, Ma, can you give some tips for the business leaders during and post this COVID situation? So there are a few of them, and uh, first one really is: Are you willing to look at you know the long term and the short term? I call it the Barbell strategy. I have actually written about this, which means that leaders have to navigate their teams to manage the immediate survival. and the need to generate quick business with some opportunities that a pandemic of this nature is going to unfold so how are you going to balance the two ends of 
survival on one side and innovation on the other side. You need to manage your teams in a manner that you have warriors on one side and you have dreamers and idealists on the other side. So you create an innovation garage and you create a war room and you manage both. So for me, that's a great leadership skill. If, if leaders who are doing this are the ones who will manage to come out and succeed in the businesses and manners that you know will be a new to the world. The second part for me is empathy. I know it's very common, but at a time like this, lots of employees are going through their own level of insecurity about the future of their jobs, about you know, the, the nature of work, the, the money, income, the salaries are being cut, and you hear of all this kind of stuff. It's very important that when we balance the agenda between people and profits, so shareholder profits and employee well-being. How do you navigate the two without hurting your employees beyond the point? So, so for me, that's the second piece. And the third one really is shepherding the team at a time like this. Let me give you an example of uh, you know a kind of leadership style which is called the shepherd leadership style. A shepherd is always behind his flock of sheep. He's never in front of the flock of sheep. If you're in front, you create followers. If you are behind them, you give them the little nudge and the push that is needed so that they are free to move out in the world and create their own space. So three things that I spoke about, leaders who follow the barbell strategy and navigate the long-term and the short-term, leaders who balance profit and people agenda and the third who demonstrate a shepherd kind of leadership style which is nudging from behind rather than leading from in front ma'am that's a great thought i'm keeping a follow-up to that i'm just wondering how can leaders have that optimism right now because they don't know what will happen in future if their business will go on if they'll be able to survive same for the employees that being another reason that they're not able to perform, they're not able to give their best. And also that the amount of revenue that they're generating is very small compared to the expenses that they have to give. For example, in the restaurant business, they have to pay the salaries, then the rent for the place. So ma'am, in that situation, how do you expect those leaders to go about their plan to expect a better future? See, it is at a time like this that the mental resilience starts playing a role. We know it is difficult, but people who from the lens of a possibility that there is a possibility that this is a temporary thing, this too shall pass. And it's the mental strength and resilience of leaders who do not transfer this stress onto their employees. That's what leadership is all about. How, whether you are, you have the mental strength to manage this and not transfer and pass this insecurity and this stress onto your, onto your employees. That's a true leader, you know. So at a time like this, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, all those things, the spiritual quotient of leaders starts coming into play. And good leaders are one who have that mental strength to manage and guide through a situation like this without transferring it on to their employees. Definitely, ma'am. That's the sign of a great leader. So. Ma'am, during this pandemic, various brands have come up with very creative marketing strategies. Ma'am, are there any of them which caught your attention? 
Well, unfortunately for me, I can't recall any because many of them have actually tried to become a little bit more opportunistic in the sense that everybody is talking about health, hygiene, you know, and leverage the opportunity and connect in some way saying that uh, our product and offering is relevant for times like these. I see it more as opportunistic twist to the communication rather than something that is really, you know, that stands out and I feel that, you know, they have really got this right. So pivoting business is fine. You know, I mean, there's somebody who auto companies create ventilators for healthcare at a time like this or textile companies getting out and making masks or somebody else making sanitizers. Pivoting business is fine. But communicating, leveraging this or exploiting this opportunity without having the kind of what we say in the communication world as a strong, credible support to your claim, I find a little bit of a gap there. Yeah, ma'am. That's what brands should keep in mind. Like That should be the first thing they should come up with. Um, uh, you have been involved with both government organizations uh, such as the World Bank and private organizations such as the General Motors, L&T and many other companies. Ma'am, these are two opposite end of a spectrum. Ma'am, have you noticed any glaring differences? See, both have their strengths. They are different strengths. Government organizations have a lot of processes and structure and various levels of hierarchy, you know, that make those organizations uh, robust. And private organizations do have a little bit more agility as compared to government organizations. They can circumvent the system sometimes if required to move at a speed which is required. So that's broadly the difference. But otherwise, I think both of them have some unique strengths. Government organizations are more stable, solid, you know, they go through their own uh, due diligence and everything that they do. And private organizations, of course, you know, have the professional skills and the strengths and ability to navigate to the required speed that the market needs. So, ma'am, taking it from there, there's a common conception that if you want a stable job, it's better to have a government job. And if you're willing to take risks, you do business. Ma'am, what's your take on that? Like, is there a chance for a higher position or maybe a better job when you are in the government level? Or ma'am, do you prefer the business if it comes to the rising part of the question? So Neil, I'm not worked in a government organization, but it's an individual choice according to me. You know, I mean, that's the common perception that government jobs are stable. It's not just a perception, it's also a fact. My father worked in, in LIC. That was, I mean, he worked there, he started there and he retired from there. I mean, it was as stable as that. And here I am, I worked in a private industry. I worked in five different advertising agencies, two different private corporate organizations. And then now I'm doing stuff on my own. Is there a, a pros and cons of both of these approaches or is this an individual's personal DNA? I would much rather leave that choice to the individual. You know, my father's model is as good as my model, I guess. Definitely, ma'am. It's actually the choice if someone is willing to have a stable kind of a life. So it's more of the common part. Whereas if someone wants to do something different, have an own idea, then people go for the corporate sector. No, yeah, having can also have a stable job in the corporate world. My husband worked in the corporate world in his entire career. He only changed one job. So it's not that there's no stability in the private world. Even in the private world, you can stay put. 
Okay, ma'am. So taking it from there. So ma'am, many new startups are coming up nowadays, but almost ninety percent of them fail. So ma'am, the thing with the entrepreneurs is that they know the product or service very well, but when it comes to the marketing part, they're not very thorough with it. So ma'am, there are many people in the audience who might be potential founders and would definitely like to know how they can storm the norm, especially on this shoestring budget. It's a different ball game altogether. Most people do not. take the the task of creating a brand early up front you are so busy trying to create and get your business up and rolling when it comes to advertising and marketing people just don't give it the due attention that is required people think that this is more tactical you create an advertisement you create some logo and you know you will be able to build a brand the second biggest myth and misconception is that advertising is very expensive we don't have the budget so let's do lead generation so what do you do without creating a brand you start buying customers so you will invest a lot of money in getting traffic to your site and doing lead generation very soon you realize that you have created a model where the more the minute you put in the money you get the customers you stop putting in the money the customers stop coming the whole idea of creating a brand is your brand's pull is so strong that even when you do not spend the money you have an equity and a goodwill that people trust you and people come to you and they are willing to pay a price and that's an entire thing branding advertising marketing even today i'm so surprised how people just use these words interchangeably there is so much chaos and confusion about marketing is equal to advertising is equal to branding there is a full science behind it you don't have to spend too much money to do it today there are channels available and today there are touch points available that allow you to build a brand without burning a hole in your pocket and i have i have i help a lot of organizations in that work because what is really important to understand is that without creating that tv advertisement or lead generation on digital media is there any other way to build a brand and first of all what is your brand how do you define your brand so for me that is an exercise that startups need to invest in they need to take brand building seriously right from the time they start creating a name for their brand right from the time they start creating a website for themselves website features all these are touch points that will help you create And then there are there are a whole lot of them, you know. And then there's an entire process behind it. But I mean, I completely agree with you that this exercise is not done strategically; it's done more tactically. Definitely, ma'am. So, ma'am, I had been going through an interview of yours where you told us that how marketing is push and branding is pull. Like, if you have a brand name. customers will come to you and marketing is required when you want customers to come to you and the same lines you told us how when you have been in the board of many companies people suggesting getting salman khan for the advertising but it's not how it works like so ma'am that situation ma'am what according to you is best way to advertise because it is also an important part of creating a brand value to create a name of a brand So Neil like you said you first need to know what your brand is who are you okay why should people buy you 
why your brand and your product and not something else unless and until you yourself are pretty clear about your brand who are you and you have a compelling compelling value proposition for your customers you will not know how to take that to market now once you know what your brand is and you have crafted a very powerful value proposition then you put in marketing efforts to take that to the market okay to take that to consumers now what you take to the consumers is not just advertisement and celebrities like i was trying to explain there are before that there are several other touch points that you ignore how do you in every interaction with the customer whether it is your call center employee whether it is your service executive all these are your brand ambassadors are they consistent and coherent in giving the experience that the brand that you want your brand to give so very easily it's easy to get a celebrity and and get an advertisement going of course i mean for several categories that might be an important thing to do to cut the clutter and to get quick awareness but that alone is not going to help you build a brand Yeah, ma'am. Those are some points. Like everyone should have a note about them, mm-hmm. and that would really help us, listeners who are trying to build a startup. That would really help us. So yeah, ma'am. A marketing disaster is just one unknown mistake away. Let's consider two popular examples in hand. Ma'am, uh, one side, if we take a Snapchat example, its CEO said that India is not a good enough company to invest in, and in reflex to this, people started deleting Snapdeal and started anti-Snapdeal campaigns. On the other hand, if uh, we consider Surf Excel's campaign uniting two religious factions, and it turns out to hurt people's sentiments. Ma'am, how does one deal with such irrational problems? See, we must believe that communication has the power to shape and influence people's perception. So it's not just communication; it's also your actions. So your actions and your communication can influence people's behavior. Now we have to be very, very careful, and that's why I say that this is not to be taken tactically. because in today's social media world when something backfires it doesn't give you a chance to explain it you know that brand might not have that intention but there are factions of society out there who can interpret it in the way that you had never intended it to so how do you actually prevent some of these what process do you follow when you are creating your brand and when you are creating your communication and the experiences that you give to the customer is the science that i was talking about you need to walk that path to know that you have a certain boundary wall within the constraints of which you need to operate so what are your boundaries you know everybody you know you can do what you want inside your house but the the minute you step outside the house you have to be very careful about the way you navigate your way across on the road the traffic stuff like that that's what brands need to think about when you put it out there you have no control on the brand so at least what you can manage is that what you put out there is thought through is not something that is going to get head on into an accident you've not done something which is you know prone to people throwing stones at it now that's what i was referring to when it when i said that in brand building the input is science but the output is art so have you have you managed to go through that process of creating something that becomes a piece of art as it goes out 
podcast. This is a tradition at Infoqala where a guest says something which they believe but are contrary to the common conception. We call it the unpopular opinion. So is there something ma'am that you'd like to share with us? Something that I know, you know, I just recently did a podcast that today businesses need to trade off consumption and not chase growth and mindless consumption. It's important that businesses reinvent themselves and at this point in time focus on production and capacity creation and not so much on consumption and mindless growth. It's a full podcast episode that I have done around this, which is can businesses be planned for degrowth? Should they be planned for degrowth? And I absolutely think yes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, ma'am, for sharing your experiences. Your words were tremendously inspiring for us as well as for our audience. We are honored to have you as a guest once again ma'am thank you so much for taking out your precious time and joining us it means a lot to us this is me and neel signing off stay connected stay safe and follow us on spotify instagram linkedin and every possible social media handle see you next sunday guys